0: Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Munday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. Hey everybody.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Divine Feminine Revolution. I am really excited to interview Domina and Shirley, who is a pleasure dominatrix for leaders. I can't think of a more interesting job description. Give us a little brag intro and like tell us all about yourself.
2: Yes, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, so, yes, I am a pleasure dominatrix for female leaders. Coaches, entrepreneurs who want to use pleasure uh, to fulfill their life's purpose by learning how to show up with pleasure in their businesses more powerfully and with greater impact. And uh, it's something I recently shifted into after finding more feminine flow in my own business and uh, just want to share that with the rest of the world. Well,
1: I think that's so important because like women need more pleasure. I know for me, I think of myself as very like divine feminine because I'm like super spiritual and boho, but I was really using a lot of my masculine like hustle energy. And so I have a big theory that um, you can really, you know, obviously like rewire your nervous system and, and in fact, like heal trauma with pleasure. So like, tell us a little bit about like how... What's your relationship with pleasure been?
2: Um, it's been a long journey. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. so trauma has been a part of that story for me, um, sexual trauma. And so for the last several years, I have done all the traditional kind of Western medicine ways of healing from that traditional talk therapy, and then was feeling stuck in that. And so decided to branch out into more alternative therapies with yoga and meditation. Um, acupuncture, Reiki energy healing, somatic experiencing. And so as I've experienced all of this, I've also gravitated to learning how to teach this stuff too. Um, Because before transitioning into this, I was working with clients uh, at rewiring the nervous system and healing and soothing the nervous system, healing from trauma in particular. So pleasure has been this process from a sexuality standpoint for me say, in the last year and a half, I've, like, I have reached that space um, of just allowing myself to sink into sexual pleasure without feeling triggered and just letting myself just really relax into it. But then I realized I am still in the masculine or the hustle or in the, the grind in all other parts in my life. So also in the last like eight to 10 months, I've been transitioning into experiencing pleasure in all parts of my life. Like what does it feel like to feel safe and calm and relaxed in my everyday routines to include in my business routines?
1: I love that so much. And my ears perked up when you said safety, because I feel like that's something as women that we, you know, are socialized, whether you've had the directive experience of trauma or not. Like we live under this like hypervigilance that like we could get attacked or that something bad is gonna happen. And I think to really like cultivate safety in your body and safety during sex, it's 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 a big thing. So like how do you define that? Like what what do you think safety feels like?
2: Because I think So yeah, safety for me um I mean I feel safety for me feels calm and soothing. And I feel relaxed, like I feel open and expansive. Like I don't feel tension. I don't feel tension in my body. I don't feel rigid. I don't clench. Um, I allow myself to receive and to have. So, safety for me is openness, spaciousness um, in a space where I can receive and have an experience.
1: Oh my God, that is like the best definition I've heard. You know, my background is as a psychologist, and I've worked with women in healing trauma, have worked also with a lot of alternative medicine to heal my own trauma. And I really get that. I really feel like there's so many women out there. Like I haven't really met a woman that hasn't had some kind of like objectifying or unwanted sexual experience. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like so freaking pervasive. And I think, you know, my experience a lot of times with trauma survivors is that they sometimes will turn off completely. Like they don't want pleasure. Like pleasure feels like a dirty word. There's like so much shame associated with the abuse that they kind of cut off from, like you were saying that safety, the expansiveness, the joy, the fulfillment. And I think that's like a really tough, uh, you know, after effect of these kind of things, because like we all deserve to have a fulfilling life where we can have joy and pleasure.
2: Yeah, exactly. And um that's been my experience like it, and it makes sense like during that experience like you your your body and mind are naturally protecting itself so it does go into constriction so being open to pleasure or just being open in general is it feels scary yeah feel. and
1: and that's where all the good stuff is right? yes
2: yes so- that's where all the good stuff is <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I'm just recently kind of taking a dive into human design and I'm a generator with the state girl authority. And so like really opening oh, up to <laughs> that pleasure and fulfillment piece and like mm-hmm. really going with what lights me up, I think has been a big shift for me. And I think for, for a lot of women, like we have this like super women kind of vibe where it's like, we want to like do and be all the things for all the people. And it's like so easy to lose yourself in that role. So when you like sort of work with women as a pleasure expert, like how can you invite that, uh, you know, exciting, joyful pleasure piece back in?
2: Um, for me, it's been involving my senses, like doing something. The senses are kind of the beginner place to start because, um, it's, it's easy. It's accessible. It doesn't take a lot of effort. Um, so like right now I have I try to pick it up. I have this candle that I have lit. Uh, So inviting, like lighting a candle, using a comfy blanket, soft blanket to kind of wrap up in. I like to ground in also when I need to feel open or experience pleasure or like beginning to open up to that experience. So like something tactile under my feet. It might be a blanket. It might be uh, a tennis ball, um, which feels great massaging on your feet too. So. Really inviting the senses to, to come into experience and play um, to begin to experience what pleasure could feel like is is my first step.
1: Yeah, I used to work at a holistic um, treatment center and we did a lot of work with DBT, and a big piece of that is mindfulness. And so mm-hmm. you know, we're so judgmental in the way that we're like, I like this, I don't like this, you know, we're constantly judging everything. And so to mm-hmm. get into curiosity and to get into sensation is like, mm-hmm so much more pleasurable than trying to like uh just judge everything and decide whether we want to like avoid it, push it away or like bring it in. And so I think that that's such a huge piece is just getting into the body, which, you know, that's another piece with trauma, right? It is like, we just kind of jump out of our body energetically mm-hmm. and that's where we see the dissociation and everything. So tell us a little bit about like, I'm super into Reiki and healing practices and shamanic work and all that kind of thing. So like what, Uh, I always recommend it um, to my therapy clients. I'm like, Hey, listen, we can do the hard work and like relive the trauma in session if you want to. And like that can clear it, but like, let me tell you, there's a better way. (laughs) Like just (laughs) get get some energy work, you know, do the soul retrieval piece, do the part that like can really make you like come back into your body. So I'm kind of curious. I know you had a healing practice. What's your experience with that been?
2: Um, mine is very, has been very body-based. Um, so I rest yoga nidra is a huge component for me where I guide a person through kind of learning to begin to feel physical sensation, um, slight discomforts emotionally and physically. Um, but a lot of my work is on, uh, on the table on a massage table with massage. Um, I, I tend to work, how to describe this? So this may sound kind of woo-woo or wonky, but um, when I work with the body, um, I energetically can sense where trauma is being stored in the body, and so I work in that space, um, and w- I activate the uh, tremor response in mm-hmm. the body. Like we all, if you know Peter Levine, like mm-hmm. Somatic Experiencing work, yeah, um, we all have this natural capacity to release stress, to release um, anxiety, and a way of just naturally like shaking the, the body, very um, involuntary, light tremoring. And so when I work with people, my past experience in that modality has been activating that response um, and I've always found to have massive results with that from, from the capacity of being able to receive pleasure from a body perspective.
1: Yeah. And Peter Levine is like an amazing um, trauma. I believe he's a psychologist, but definitely like Mm -hmm. a figure in the field and talks about how like even trauma can be passed on like through your children, even if they've not directly experienced it, just through sort of the lineage. And so like, I think for all women who are taking on this work, like literally you're healing your ancestors back and you're healing your ancestors forward, which I think is such a beautiful thing and so necessary because unfortunately, if you don't break that cycle, like it just does seem to continue on and on and on through the generations is sort of what I've witnessed. Um, The shaking they call it pronking, which is kind of a weird... But it's basically like if, like if an animal gets hit by like a tranquilizer or something like that, when they come to, they will like shake out all the adrenaline in the body. And when they do that, that's what's called pranking. And so, you know, it's just like a great strategy to release these chemicals. And I think nowadays, like our society, we're still like overstimulated we have a lot of this excess, just like stress hormones. And so, um, when my daughter was little, we used to put like, uh, shake it off on and just like shake for a couple minutes. <laughs> so uh it's just one of those things that I think it's a great uh somatic practice to release some of that stuff. And animals know to intuitively do it. And yet like we're scared to like look silly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: people are scared to even like dance. You
2: know? I was going to say, yeah, dancing is one of those things that I've offered in like in conjunction with it, like just move your body. And, and yeah, <laughs> but yeah, people are scared of,
1: that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that, um, you know, we're so like, disconnected from the body. And that's something that like healers and indigenous like know that, you know, the body like is the thing, yeah. you know. So um, tell us a little bit about like how you got into the coaching business and, you know, sort of becoming this pleasure dominatrix for female leaders. Like, how did that come?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is, Fun. I mean, it's all fun and juicy to talk about. Yeah. So the dominatrix piece, I'll get that. I'll talk about that piece first. Um, I've been professional dominatrix for over 12 years. Um, so I started that in my early 20s and was very shame ashamed about it, wouldn't talk about it, had corporate jobs and stuff where I couldn't be open about it. And so a few years ago, when I wanted to explore the coaching world, only three, four years ago, I... And I wanted to explore that because I knew that I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wasn't meant to work for someone. I was meant to work for myself. Um, and not knowing quite how that looked, I dabbled in teaching yoga full-time a couple years. And then was like, you know, I have all this knowledge, all these tools and certifications and resources, and I want to do more with it. Um, and I realized how much I was being of service to, to people in my yoga classes. And I'm like, how can I branch out more? And so I'm like, let's look at what's available. And coaching was one of those things that really turned me on and made me excited. And so I explored that a little bit more kind of in a resiliency kind of coaching way, again, with the trauma piece. Um, And then a year and a half ago, I started to come out, I came out publicly about being a professional dominatrix, um, which I received amazing support with. And for about six months, I had both separate. Like I was this coach and I was this dominatrix and something just wasn't blending or working with that. And so I'm like, you know, I I think these two need to be together. And, um, so it's, it's been in the last year that I've blended the two together, but it's constantly evolved. Like it's recently, I was working with just women kind of as this dominatrix, but dominatrix who also coaches people. And then recently shifted into like, what I really teach is pleasure. Like what I really offer and am here to do is teaching people to receive and open up to pleasure. And so Pleasure Dominatrix just felt right and it feels good to my to my nervous system even. So
1: I love that. I was just like having a fantasy about what like Dominatrix coaching was looking like and like, <laughs> it was like get on your email list <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it's like funny to think about. Sometimes you need like an ass kicking in. I think that's the difference between like coaching and some of the other modalities. It's just like that accountability piece. Um, what comes up for me, and I know in my personal experience, like being raised like a good girl in the South, you know, like I have, I, and I think a lot of women are like so scared to be called a bitch. And then we like basically like suppress our power through the, all the nice girl people pleasing bullshit. So like, can you give us some dominatrix tips around like how to l- really activate that feminine power and be able to like go for what you want and say no and do all those things that maybe the average woman is like scared to do?
2: Absolutely. I think that the core of that comes from claiming your own power. Like, mm-hmm. so it's. Acknowledging that you have this power, knowing that it's there, accessing it, and then it's the owning piece that I have found really ha- drives me. <clears throat> excuse me into being this rebellious badass bitch who who does what she wants and uh, says no to things that don't feel good and says yes to things that do feel good. So I think it's a process of knowing yourself, getting in tune with yourself, getting in touch with yourself. To really kind of harness that that inner peace. Because once that peace is found and discovered, you know, um, which I feel is like self-love, self-love, self-empowerment. More, I think the self-love is really becoming intimate and knowing yourself from an inward perspective is what I believe is the drive to then establishing boundaries, then saying no, then saying yes, then allowing yourself to receive or to have. So my one really tip in all of it is is to get to know yourself, heal the parts of you that you feel ashamed about.
1: Uh, I've definitely been on a journey with that myself, you know, having that like sacral authority and then like, just like waking back up to like, okay, what do I like as my own person really want versus empathically? Like, what am I picking up from like other people wanting me to do? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have had trauma, like, you know, we've talked about some of the different methodologies, like with the alternative medicine or therapy or like whatever piece of that it is. But like, how do you really like awaken that center and get to like your true yes and no versus if you're intuitive or empathic, you know, picking up what everybody else wants you to do? I,
2: how do you get to know that, that piece of yourself? Yeah. Um, I would say through support. Like, I've not been able to discover all of those pieces and parts without having support to help get me there. Um, Because I, like all humans, get stuck in my own head, get stuck in my own emotions, feelings, beliefs, beliefs that I'm wrong, I'm bad. You know, there is the whole patriarch system of how women are taught to be in society. And so having someone there to hold me and say, like, it's okay to be this way. You're okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with you has been really key into developing that piece for me.
1: I think that's so huge, you know, like Brene Brown got famous with the whole shame thing. Um, but I think that that's just something that's so pervasive and it makes people feel like they're a bad person and um, nothing is more paralyzing than shame, you know? And I think that that keeps us from a lot of our own pleasure and desires and ultimately like purpose and fulfillment. Is just like, we're either like scared, I think is the milder version, but like we're scared because we're scared that like we might fuck it up and, you know, feel shame about it. And so, I think reconnecting with that part of you that, like, is like, I'm just going to go on an adventure and see what's pleasurable to me and see what comes next. I think is really exciting.
2: Yes, that and existential kink. If you have not read it by Carolyn Elliot, I believe is her name. Like, I use so many of those tools and resources where you learn to get turned on by your shame or your guilt or the things that scare you, and you create a fear inventory, and then reframe things. So that has been a huge help too and support for me.
1: Yeah. That book is on my reading list and I need to order it. It's been like in the cart for a while. Um, But I think (laughs) that those are definitely, you know, I think anything that like explores the shadow and ultimately has like that soul of empowerment, I feel like it's a really nice edge for the sex industry or for... Just like sexuality in general, because I think for a long time it's been, you know, more of a like disempowered vibe, and so I think to get people like you who like can understand the sacred sexuality and have the healer
2: background, like I feel like that's a really exciting edge. Yeah, I'm. I I feel like I have a, a cool place in in all of this because the healing modalities and the shadow work is definitely my edge, and I've used the the BDSM and and kink to do that too. So. Yeah, there's so much juiciness and goodness here that I get to play with when I work with people. So
1: I just recently watched that bonding show on yes. Netflix and yes. I thought that that was like a really cute play in between, um, you know, some of the, and I don't know how like true to life how they depicted it is, but what I really loved was like they had the psychology piece and they had the human relationship piece and the like attachment and abandonment. And I thought it was like such a, like just kind of sweet, unexpected juxtaposition
2: there. I, I enjoyed the show. It was fun. It was it was um, nice to see like things are starting to bridge into like real world, um, especially television or streaming, whatever. Um, so yeah, the show was fun and playful. Um, there was a the, the my biggest issue with that show was the lack of consent. So I think consent is like the biggest piece in all the work that any of us I think do, but then definitely with the BDSM and kink, having a container or establishing a container that's safe, that is safer and that's where consent is definitely there where it's a yes or a no and a yes can become a no. And then when it's a no, like we stop. So that was my only kind of critique of that of that show but otherwise I've watched it too and it was fun to see something like that on for public view viewers to watch
1: yeah it was unexpected and I love that you bring consent because I think this is such a huge issue um you know one of my big focuses has been on like rape prevention I wrote my dissertation on it like I was a victim advocate for a while in grad school and so I feel like um you know, consent is something we throw around. Like it's like the most impossible thing we can do and we like overcomplicate it. And I think people just like generally, we talk about vanilla sex, like they just don't tend to talk very much during it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like so important. So I think like, do you have any advice for like how you can have consent like at each junction?
2: Yeah, I think... Consent is about constantly communicating and checking okay. in. So, no matter what's taking place, like you're communicating if you're okay with what's going on, if you're not okay with what's going on, um, establishing those rules and boundaries in the beginning before anything even happens, so that there are no surprises um, and nothing, nothing scary or triggering happens. Uh, so, no harm is done. That's what consent is all about. So, um, understanding that. You know you can say yes, you can say no," and that a yes" can become a no at any point in time, and that when a no is stated that all activity stops and you're checking in with each other, reevaluating, reassessing, and then maybe moving forward in a different direction, or maybe the activity, whatever it is, stops completely. Um, that and then safe words. So depending on what you're working with or what you're exploring or doing, Having safe words that are not yes and no, because oftentimes in play or in whatever we're doing, like no means yes in the, in, in the, in the kink world. So picking safe words that would be totally unique to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things I've learned a lot from my polyamorous couples is just like how important communication is. And I think if yes. you're a poly couple, like you have to be, or, or more, I guess couples, maybe not the right word in relationship, you know, you have to like talk about everything. And I think that that's something that's so missing in um, sexuality is like you said, that constant communication, the consent piece, um, oftentimes like just like a small variation can make something so much more pleasurable. And so I feel like yes. intimacy wise, I feel like communication really is the edge just like in relationships on the whole and then obviously in sexuality.
2: Communication is the big thing. Like that will be the thing that breaks your relationship open. Like whether you're poly or you're monogamous, I'm poly, so I totally get where you're coming from there. Um, But communication, no matter how you identify, is going to be what breaks open into the relationship. And Bring you into deeper intimacy and connection, and will really establish the pleasure piece that people are looking for and wanting.
1: Yeah, and so like to bring it back out to coaching, like you know, communication, messaging, branding, um, marketing—it's it, all about kind of your message. So, like, any tips on? If you have this thing that's like very important to you that you're like kind of sharing with the world, how can we communicate more clearly what it is that we
2: do? Any ideas on that? Oh, that's an interesting question. How can we communicate more clearly on what we do? I I think I don't think it's necessarily a communication gap. I think it's more of a fear. Mm. I think we're not communicating because we're scared, which is totally valid and okay. I think if we could Move for move through, or kind of work through some of those fears. I think the communication would happen because we would we know what we want to say. I think most, I think most, I think most people, to include leaders, coaches, entrepreneurs, know what they want to say. They're just scared to put themselves out there. And as women, like we're more scared to be seen and visible. So,
1: yeah, visibility definitely is the edge. And I think to put yourself authentically out there and then (laughs) be criticized or rejected is definitely like all the abandonment feels. Um, so what was it like for you to kind of like really come out with like all aspects of being the dominatrix, being the coach, being the healer, and then like really integrating, which I feel like is just a really exciting edge, like (laughs) integrate all of who you are and put it out there. I feel like it's really exciting. What was it like? Did you have Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, did you have like all the feels? Like, <laughs>
2: oh, I had all the feels. So the the healing and like the coaching piece, like most people were open and expansive to. Like, I, I, you know, I had kind of questions from families, like, why would you want to do that? But then explaining myself, they're like, okay, you know, we support you, we love you. And I, I have to say, like, I, my family, um, my mom and my mom's family in particular have been amazing supports. Um, so, but, but the dominatrix piece, I was a bit scared. Um, it was a few months before a family get together that I came out as a professional dom and came at this professional dungeon and, and I have all these pictures. And <laughs> so I was a little nervous. I was definitely nervous. So when I got to the family function, you know, I was a adverting icon, like adverting, making eye contact with family and just kind of quiet. And, you know, everybody had some adult beverages, a few drinks in uh, later on in the evening. and people started asking me questions. Like I had cousins and second cousins asking me questions like, so tell us what this is all about. Like, this is so interesting. I think this is so cool that you're like putting yourself out there like this. So I had a really positive experience with with all of it, actually. Um, The only lack of support I received was from my ex-husband. Hence, why we're we're exes? (laughs) and not together. Um, But, you know, like, worked through that. But in general, I have received nothing but grace and positivity and massive amounts of support.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting for me, like kind of living in the Bible Belt, like I feel like sexuality is still, you know, like not really talked about and I think it's an edge for a lot of people I know for me just recently leading a sex workshop and like writing some posts about everything like it did feel like really edgy and yet like I think that's the problem is that there's so much like shame and secrecy and like most people do it but no one will like own up to it and so I think again back to that lack of communication lack of transparency and I think if we actually have like healthy discussions about like hey, you know, this is what it's like. I think that like a lot of the stigma and a lot of the shame and a lot of, you know, that the pieces that are more negative would be resolved if we had like a more empowered just relationship with sexuality in general. Any thoughts on that?
2: Oh, so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I also grew up in the church. Like I grew up in a very Christian home. um, And so... That that was like the the shame with the church and sexuality I really dealt with in my young twenties. But in general, like the lack of talking about sex, I have since in the last few years had I've had conversations with pastors, with church leaders, and I'm like, you know, the church has really dropped the ball here. Like this is this is the place where we we could be going to to receive. Like uh, this could be a safe container to have. Healthy, open, honest communication around sexuality, and what better place to receive that but in a place like a, you know, with a faith background, with a faith to wrap kind of wrap itself around. So yeah, that's communication, and just I started the conversation on Facebook, and then I've had people from from the Christian faith and people I grew up with in the church who have reached out to facilitate those conversations. So. I think people are seeing that there's, there needs to be that conversation. Um, I think it's just going to take some more, a little more time. And I think more people more people who are open to talk about it, I think will result in that happening faster.
1: I love that you're like dominatrixing the, the church <laughs> officials to talk about healthy sexuality. I'm like,
2: yes, that's a way. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, I never thought about it from that perspective. So I love that. <laughs> Well, that was just like my <laughs>
1: spin on it there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's so needed, again, just because, I, like, just being able to talk about it and decide, like, what the empowered yes and the empowered no is for you um, is, is just such an important piece of it. Um, as we, like, kind of zoom out to the macro, like, what would you, like, I mean, we're at kind of an interesting time in history. Like, you have a new program coming out called Leader Slut. Like, what do you imagine with uh, leadership and this like kind of vision for the future? Um, tell us, you know, your like best case scenario.
2: So it's it's really expanding, it's really evolving. I don't have all the pieces together, but you know that's what kind of working in pleasure is about. It's about flowing and letting things just naturally arise and, and come to you. And but leader slide is this awesome new facebook community i've created um, for female leaders coaches female entrepreneurs um and long term the vision that i have for that community and for that program is to just open up women to one pleasure and expanding like i i think
1: it's a revolutionary when women start to put their pleasure first and i mean it could be something as simple as just like stroking your skin to the point of you know sexual pleasure i think but but leading with what feels good, I think is really like sort of a new spin on society.
2: I agree with that. It was very new for me to come into and be like, what is this? Um, so yeah, like I, I would really like in terms of entrepreneurship with women is to just really turn that table around and, you know, marketing and strategy and sales is all valid. It's all important. It needs to be there. But I feel like it's secondary, and pleasure needs to be there because when you open yourself to pleasure, you're going to open yourself to deeper healing, to deeper mindset work. You know, work working through your fears, your limiting beliefs, your shame. Um, it's going to deepen your relationships, not just with personal intimate relationships, but your friends, your family, and then the clients that you serve. Um, you're going to show up just more powerfully and have greater impact. That is the Bulk of my message is to show women, show female leaders and entrepreneurs that by using pleasure in their businesses and having a pleasure based business, that you're going to show up with greater impact and in, in more powerful ways.
1: Yeah, and I think it really like releases the martyr energy because I know for me in my traditional like brick and mortar psychology practice, being an entrepreneur, sometimes I felt like, oh, I can't take this day off when I'm sick because I won't get paid, or like. I just have to like people please the hell out of these clients. So they'll come back. And I was doing it all from more of a like self-sacrificing view. And so when I started to come across like pleasure, pussy-based business, I was like, what is this thing? Like business is supposed to feel good. And I think that we all get into it for like the dream of the freedom, like the time freedom, the location freedom, the financial freedom. But you know, if you don't, like for me, I started to like recreate it in a way that was just like my other business that was burning me out because I felt like I had to show up everywhere or I had to like, you know, work hard or hustle. And it's just a really different paradigm online. And I think getting to the place where it feels pleasurable to you is just such a like exciting revolution. And so I like to say like, you really can have it all if you prioritize your own pleasure, because I feel like a lot of times we're trying to make everything out here. Okay. And then we'll feel pleasure, (laughs) but to really like turn that paradigm on its head and just feel pleasure, like all the way, all along the way, you know, and then the destination is not so important because I've definitely hit some milestones in my life where I was like, okay, I've made it. This is awesome. And then it was like uh, kind of anticlimactic because you can't imagine one moment, even if it's a big moment to like sort of fulfill you. Like what you really need to be fulfilled by is like the journey.
2: Yes, yeah. That's what I have learned also. So many things that you said where the process, like celebrating the, the process along the way and not celebrating when I reach that big goal and then it doesn't feel as great even when I reach it. But celebrating along the way, getting excited along the way. Yeah, it's, it's been life changing. Yeah,
1: I always sort of like to end with, I really believe that the divine feminine revolution is here, it's happening now, like we're all a part of it. So like, what is your vision for the world or for the future as like some of these more patriarchal influences collapse and, you know, the feminine um, becomes, you know, more empowered, like what what does that version of society look like for you?
2: That version of society looks softer um, in more collaboration mm-hmm. instead of more of like the me um, mm-hmm. kind of selfie me place that we're at. So, more collaborative, more soft, um, obviously with female leadership, but female leadership that is coming from that place of pleasure, a place of softness, and not trying to repeat what the patriarchy has been doing for years, which is. Um, competitive, harshness, roughness. Um, but uh, at the same time, while that softness is there, it's firm yet soft. So those boundaries are there. There's, there's the ability to say the no's and the yeses. So society would just, it would be more open and expansive. It would communicate with love uh, and compassion versus personal gain.
1: Yes. I love that so much. And I feel like a big piece of that Um, It reminds me of like the Mary Magdalene teachings, which is a lot about like body emotions and sexuality. And I think that that's the piece that's the feminine edge. And I think it's more and more women get in touch with that and then invite their men to get in touch with that as well. You know, the divine feminine revolution can't just be among women. I think we're going to start it, but we need to like share it with the men, you know, and I think the more men can get in touch with their emotions and with like sacred sexuality and with their bodies in a way that you said is like not violent or not like harmful to anyone and not about just gain without view of like the consequences um you know I think that there's going to be so much more like safety and equity and self-expression and less shame and we can kind of just do what we want as long as we're not harming anyone and I think that that you know collaborative piece like you said is just like such a big piece of it like we don't have to be in competition and the more that we unite like you know the more exciting things can be.
2: Exactly, yeah. I, I love that. It's beautifully yeah.
1: put. Oh, thank you. Um, so tell us, how can
2: we work with you? Where do we find you on the interweb? Like, tell us all the things. Facebook is, is the number one platform that I'm on right now. Um, website is currently being created. So Facebook, Dominic and Shirley, uh, or my Facebook free community, uh, Leader Slut, it's one word. Uh, you can find me in both places. Um, and right now I am taking one-on-one private coaching clients who want to use pleasure to show up in their businesses more powerfully and have greater impact. So yeah.
1: Love that so much. Well, thank you for taking the time out today. And um, you've got a lot of wisdom and I just love how you're unifying a lot of those different approaches all together. I can't wait to see where you go. I feel like there's definitely big things coming for you.
2: (laughs) I feel that too. Thank you so much for having me and chatting with me about this. This was fun and exciting to do.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
2: Thanks for listening
0: to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.